All right, and good morning, Ridgepoint Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, man. We're really, really glad you're here this morning. We're in week three of a series where we're asking a pivotal question for us as a church. And that question is, what's the point? Uh, we're Ridgepoint Church. We're asking, okay, what's the point? Specifically, we're looking at four individual topics, four things we think are important uh, to kind of the, the DNA of what makes Ridgepoint Church what it is. And we're asking a question, when, when we do those things as a church, what's the point specifically behind those things that we do? And we start off a, a few weeks back by saying, okay, we're going to start to build this where we should be building and, and talk about our evangelism strategy. What does that look like for us in terms of evangelism, church growth, trying to reach people? And we said the first thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago was a strategy called build and bring. Uh, we believe it's essential for us as a church to let our community know that we care about them, whether that's the church corporately, all of us together, or whether that's us individually as parts of the church uh, that we are the church moving forward and that we want to let people know, man, we genuinely care about you and, and we want to make sure that, that we know that you're important to God, that you're important to us. And so our strategy is to build those relationships with people. It's part of the reason why we do the very things we do, like we do at Auburndale High School so uh, regularly, but especially this past weekend with the Bloodhound Barbecue. And we've just developed a great relationship there. Mr. Hill's been so great to us. And so we went there. We had a huge team of volunteers there serving. Uh, Rich was literally up all night long uh, barbecuing in the pork butt and getting everything set up. And, and so everybody did such a great job. And, and our, generally, our, our idea is to go and, hey, we want to let you know that what you're doing as teachers and as staff members at Auburndale High School is important. And we just want to let you know we appreciate what you're doing. And by doing that, we corporately together build relationships and we do that individually. We build those, those relationships ultimately to invite people to church and, and hopefully through that process to bring them to Jesus. So our strategy for reaching out is called Build and Bring. Then last week we talked about this idea, I mean, we're living in this selfie culture and everyone's paying attention to themselves and building themselves up. And we think that's going to bring joy and satisfaction. But then we look at Scripture and Scripture says, no, it's not about uh, celebrating self, but it's about celebrating the other people around you and ultimately celebrating God. As so we said, the second thing we talked about was sacrifice and service. And we said that the best way that we could, could serve in our community is to begin in the local church and then affect the community like these things at Auburn High School. And then ultimately through that to, to reach the world for Jesus. And, and genuinely, that's our heartbeat as a church. And as we look at those topics, we said, man, here's some goals we have in mind. Here's some things we want to do this year. We said, man, in, in two weeks, kind of as people get back in their routine, we want to begin working towards our fourth goal this year. We had three goals to start off this year. We've we four goals. We have accomplished three of those four. And the fourth goal is we want to reach 250 adults on a regular basis at Ridgepoint Church. To that end, coming up two weeks from this coming Sunday, uh, from today, two weeks from today, uh, we're having a special day. Kind of invite your friends out, fan day. It's a kickoff to the NFL season. Uh, so invite you if you want to wear your favorite team, shirts, jerseys, college, whatever, and just have a good time with that. We have some friends coming in that day, some special things happening we'll talk about next week. Uh, but just a chance really to start to impact, invite people out, and to let them know they matter. Now, today we get in this topic, and, and, and for me, this topic is probably the most pivotal to the DNA of what makes Ridgepoint Church what it is. In fact, if I were to go back a, a few years ago, because today we're talking about, I think as we gather together as a, as a church, that every one of us is here for, for some reason. I'd say a good portion of us are here saying, at some point in my life, I want to have some sort of, of traction in my life when it comes to my spiritual growth. Uh, there's a reason why I'm here, and, and I'm here because I want to have some sort of, of spiritual growth taking place. And today we're going to talk about what to me has become the most essential ingredient towards spiritual growth and also probably the most effective barometer uh, to measure spiritual growth in someone's life. 
And, and if you'd asked me this years ago as a young youth pastor, as a pastor, I'd have said, okay, it's probably something along the lines of reading your Bible or, or praying or getting involved in church. And all those things are really good and they're essential to our growth. But what we talk about today, I've realized over the course of the past couple of years, and especially over the course of the past couple of months, how pivotal this topic is for all of us to be a leading indicator of our spiritual growth. Topic number three is, is, is community and, and groups. So we're talking about this idea today, community and groups. And, and a couple, I think last year at this point, I, I did a series talking about how these two are really unique topics. Uh, community is something that happens organically in our life. When, when, when we moved here to, to new areas, that organic community that kind of developed. And groups is a forced community. I, I wish I had time this morning to get more into that. Uh, go back and listen to the podcast about this time last year to hit that topic. But for today's purpose, I'm going to use those terms somewhat interchangeably. Realize they're a little bit different. But for today's sermon, we're going to deal with those topics somewhat interchangeably because I've realized that the groups and the people that we're doing life with are essential to our spiritual growth. Uh, you see some people today wearing t-shirts that say you can't do life alone. That's one of our core values as a church is that we can't do life alone. And when we start to think we can do life alone, we're never going to have that spiritual traction that we're looking for. You see, one of two things happens. Either we say we want to grow spiritually, and then we surround ourselves with people who aren't growing spiritually, and we wonder, why do I feel like I'm not any different than I was before? Or what happens more frequently is we say, I think especially as men, we can fall prey to this. We think, I can do this alone. Like, I don't, I don't need help. Like, help us for people who are weak. I can manage all of this on my own. And that's why we as men often get lost when we're driving. Because we don't want to ask for help and assistance. The only person we'll ask anymore is Siri. We'll ask her, but if we get lost, we're not asking anybody else. But we have to realize in our life, even as we look at Scripture, that community is essential. Community is really important. We look at stories throughout the Bible, stories like Moses when his uh, when the Israelites are fighting and his arms are up, there's victory. And if his arms start to fall, they start to lose. And he takes two guys next to him, Aaron and her, to lift up his arms, to hold up his arms when we're weak. We have to realize that for you and I to have success, we cannot do this thing alone. That it takes people around us. And that community and that groups are essential and important. So today I'm really excited to get to this topic of community and groups. Before I do that, I want to share a little bit of a story. You see, I'm a St. Pete boy. I grew up in St. Pete about an hour and a half from here physically, geographically, it's about an hour and a half from here. But in terms of culture, it is light years away. And so I'm a St. Pete boy that has grown up to love living in Polk County. And this week, I had a chance to do the most Polk County thing I've ever done. I went gator hunting. That's what I, now, who's been gator hunting? Who's been, there's, there's a lot more than here in the first service. The first service, there was a handful of people. Man, I went gator hunting for the first time, and, and I've been invited by, by a friend to go out. We're going to go out and do some gator hunting, and we've been anticipating this, getting tags for a couple of years, and it finally happened. And, and so we get all prepped to go out to go gator hunting, and I've never been. I have no idea really what to expect. And, and they pull up first in about a 13 or 14-foot John boat. And I'm looking at the three of us guys, and I'm like, we're going to fill up that boat, just the three of us. Let alone, they want to catch like a 12-foot gator. Like, I'm like, where are you going to put this gator? And, and so I'm kind of watching this, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to trust you guys. Like, right now, I'm trusting you with my life. Uh, so so we, we get out to the boat ramp, and we put out, and it's kind of just getting to be dusk. And, and, and we're kind of driving around, and we, we went out twice, uh, two times this week. And you kind of go around during when it's dusk, and there's like no gators in the lake at all. Like, we're looking around, and like, we don't see any gators at all. And then nightfall happens. And you take the spotlight and you start shining the spotlight around the lake. 
and you see eyes everywhere. I'm like, dude, this is like really intimidating. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And these guys are shining lights and there's gators. We start to go towards these gators. I'm like, this is, this is a surreal experience. And we actually had a chance the second night we, we threw a, a hook into one of those gators. And we pulled it. And literally as we pulled it in the dark, you see this gator like jump up. His full tail is out of the water. And I'm like, this is, this is crazy. And so I got a chance to have that experience this week. And, and the good thing, the great thing at the end of it was that we are successful. And by successful, I mean I, I lived. Like, <laughs> I went into this thing saying there's, there's two goals we have the two nights we went out. Number one goal is, is we want to live at the end of this. Number two is I'd love to get a gator. But as long as we accomplish number one, I'm good. Like, I'm okay with that. And, and so we, we got number one knocked down. Number two was a little bit iffy. We kind of got there, but, uh, but we're still working on that one a little bit. But, but we went in saying, man, I want to make sure we accomplish goal number one. Like, I want to make sure I return. And in order for that to happen, the only reason I was doing this was because I was surrounding myself with people that knew what they were doing. Like, the only way I would have gone out was I surrounded myself with people who'd already been, who'd been successful in gator hunting, who were after now after a trophy gator, but who knew what they were doing, that, that if I stepped in, I said, okay, I want to observe, I want to see what's, what's taking place, and I want to participate where I can, but if it ever gets unsafe for me to participate, I'll take a step back and trust the experts on this. Now, if I'd gone out gator hunting with Chris Neff and with Josh Willis... I'd have been a little bit worse off because none of us would have known what we were doing. We'd have been out there like looking at each other like, what what, what do we do now? But when we surround ourselves with people who know what they're doing, it gives us the chance to have success. And life often works that very same way. The same principles that work in our spiritual growth. If we want to be successful, we want to surround ourselves with people who know what they're doing. In fact, when we start to build up our community, if you're a note taker, write down these three things. When we want to build up our community, when I want to figure out in my life, who am I doing life with? There's three types of people I want to make sure that I'm surrounding myself with at all times. So if you're writing these three things down, the three types of people that I want to make sure that I'm doing life with. Number one is this, the person or people who've been successful already. I want to surround myself with people who are a step or two ahead of where I'm at. And this can be in any facet of life. When it comes to our marriage relationships, and and this is a little bit uncomfortable because when, when I go to a person like this, I'm saying, hey, you've had success where I've not had success yet. And so I have to come and humble myself and say, hey, you have something, you have information, you have some, some life practices that you've accomplished that I want to see in my life. And so when I do this, I'm saying, I'm not where I, I want to be, and I'm looking up to you, and I'm seeing that you are where I want to be. And so I want to make sure that there are a couple of people in my life who are a step ahead of me or two steps ahead of me when it comes to my marriage relationship, when it comes to being a father, when it comes to being a pastor. I want to look at people ahead of me in ministry and say, you have some attributes that I'd love to have in my life. And I want to do two things. I want to ask you questions to help me get there. And I also want to invite you to watch me and, and, and feel free at any point that you see things that I could be doing different or doing better. And I want to ask you to speak those truths into my life. Now, again, that's humbling because it's us saying I'm not where I need to be. And there are other people who, who've had success. And so I want to make sure that I'm looking up to those people as mentors, as friends and saying, I want you to provide challenges in my life to make me to make me better. The number two person is the person who is on the same general path 
as I am now. We're going to talk towards the end of the message about groups. The thing that we love about groups is that it's a, a group of, of people partnering together. And it begins in elementary, but especially as you'll see in your form, middle school, high school, college, and, and into adulthood, that we want to make sure there are people that are in the same general path as us. Saying, hey, we're all kind of, this is, we all have different pursuits and things that we're, we're chasing after in life. But generally speaking, this is what we want in our life. We want to see Jesus glorified. We want to see us grow spiritually together as couples, as individuals. And so as we're on the same general path, we want to make sure there are people who we're partnering with, who are actually doing life with, that are right there alongside of us, that as we journey together, there are people that are there, that are also there to challenge us and to encourage us and to equip us, but that are kind of at the same general spot as we are. Now, the third category that we look at is the person who wants to be where I am. See, I think sometimes that, that we, because we're on this perpetual cycle of saying, I want to grow, I look up to people who are like ahead of me, and I say, man, I want to be like that. I ask them to pour into my life. And I'm doing life with people on the same general path that I'm at right now. But we don't often take time to look back and say, okay, what about the people who are looking up to us? What about those people on the journey that are a step or two behind us who are saying, man, if I could just be where you're at. Last night I received a phone call from someone in the church who had a, a friend who's unchurched, who was going through a really, really tough time. And this guy called up and he said, man, I don't, I don't know why he called me to come to the hospital and pray with the family and do all this stuff. And, and for every one of us, we have to be aware. Man, there, there are people maybe a step or two behind us, maybe five steps behind us, who, who are watching us and who are saying, man, where they're at right now, and we look at it saying, they don't know my life very well, obviously. But they look at us where we're at and they say, man, but they have something that I don't have. And so we have to be aware that the same way we want people to pour into us, that we want to be able to pour into the next generation of people behind us. Because in doing that, it really helps out two people. It helps out them in their spiritual journey. But it just as much helps us, helps us out. Because if I realize people are watching me, it changes my behavior. If I realize people are, man, they're looking up to me. I better grow, man. I, I better be invested in this. Because if people are looking up to me and looking for, to me for advice, I better get stronger so I'm ready to answer that bell when it comes. So we have these three people around us. One, the person who's ahead of us, who's kind of mentoring us and helping us out. Other, the people that we're doing life with on a day-to-day -day basis. And then third, the people that are a step or two behind us, but say, I want to be there, and I want to be able to provide mentorship to that person as well. You see, community is so essential. It's so important. I heard this pastor a couple of months ago make this statement. I wrestled with this for a little bit. But he made this statement and he said, for the first couple of years after a person gives their life to Christ, he said that for them, group and community is more important even than reading the Bible. And I heard that and at first I said, wait a minute, what does it mean? Man, the Bible is the word of God, like it's living, it's breathing, it's so powerful. That's how we grow. And, and I got really frustrated by the comment for a little bit. But then I started to think about people in my life over, over the last 15 years who I've seen, man, they get plugged in the church and they start growing and, and sometimes they're actively reading the Bible and, and some grew and, and some now are helping out in church and in church leadership and others stopped going to church entirely. And when I looked at each one of them, I said the leading indicator that I saw was the people that they're doing life with. If we want to be challenged, we surround ourselves with people who are going to challenge us. And so today we're going to talk about this idea of, of community and, and why community 
And as we look at that big picture of community, we have to realize that God himself lives in community. In the book of Genesis, creation gives this beautiful picture of what community is all about. In the book of Genesis, God is talking. He lives in community. And he says in Genesis chapter 1, let us, as he convenes his holy council, he says, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image. And he creates us. He's, he's a, he lives in community himself. And then he creates us. And he creates us to live in community. He creates male and female. And the thing is, when he creates male and female, it says about them in Genesis chapter 2, after creation, they were naked and they were unashamed. They lived in utter transparency. There's nothing separating them. Now, I am not condoning at all that we walk around now naked and unashamed. That's not it at all. But here's what happened because of the fall. Like, we have to see this. Prior to the fall, prior to sin entering into the world, there was absolute transparency in, in, in community. But once the fall happens, two things takes place. Number one, we begin to cover ourselves up because we're now ashamed and we don't want each other to see each other fully. And number two is actually Adam and Eve hid themselves from God. There's community with each other, but there's also community with God. But because of the fall, that community that is broken and the community is ultimately only restored through the resurrection of Jesus. And today, because of the resurrection, we now once again have access to having community with God for the first time because of what Jesus did. But then also it makes it possible for us to live in community with each other, especially within the confines of the church. And so we talk about community, it's something that God himself modeled. It's present throughout the, the gospel story, and it's possible because of what Jesus did for us. So as we look into this, I want you, if you're taking notes, right now three things uh, this morning. We ask the question, why do we do community? Why we do community? Three things. Number one, because community lifts us up when we are down. If you have your Bibles, open up to, Gen uh, to, to Romans chapter 12. Community, this idea, community lifts us up when we are down. Every one of us, at some point, we have a bad day, a bad season, and community is there to lift us up in those moments when we're down, when we're broken, when we're struggling. Some of you are here specifically at church this morning because in the midst of a slump, in the midst of a really, really bad spot in life, you had a friend that cared about you enough to invest into your life, and community lifted you up when you're down. In Romans chapter 12, this beautiful picture of, of what relationships should look like. Romans 12, beginning in verse 9, it says this, let our love, let love be genuine. Let the love that we have for each other, enough of this facade, enough of hiding ourselves behind a, a false picture of what love is. Paul writing the church at Rome says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Then it says this, love one another with brotherly affection. Now when we love, we love with that, 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 that brotherly affection. And then it says this, this might be my favorite phrase in, in all of scripture. It says this, outdo one another in showing honor. If we did that, that would be a beautiful picture of what community looks like for, for, for our, our area, Auburndale, Winter Haven. If we just did that, if we outdid one another in showing honor, we give a beautiful picture of what community is all about. Friday night we're at the, the barbecue, and I had a chance, I've gotten to know a lot of the teachers that are there, and, and, and we were carrying some stuff in, and we were just getting ready to serve the food, and, and I saw one of the teachers that's a really, he's, he's one of the best servants at the high school, he does a lot of stuff there, his name's Pete, and Pete was over actually working the, the, the gate, letting pass the people who have passed this come in. And I knew for Pete, that's like an all night long job. And he was going to be there with his family. 
And so I walked over, I said, hey, Pete, do you guys need, need food over there? You're not able to go in? He said, yeah, we can't go in. If you could bring us some, some meals, that'd be great. And so a group of RPCers got together and, and actually took meals down to, to, to Pete and, and delivered meals to him. And, and later on, we passed the pass gate together as a church. Like I could see, he jokes around a lot. He kind of picked on us a little bit. But, but the love that he has uh, for the church because of the, some of the stuff that we do is because, and we don't always get this right, but in those moments we get it right, we say, man, God, this is what we want to do. We want to outdo one another in showing honor. That means if someone wants to show honor, we want to do it even more so. Not to pat ourselves on the back or to make ourselves look good, but because in doing so, we're representing the love that Jesus has for us. And so Paul writing to the church at Rome says, here's what I want you to do. Uh, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Outdo one another in showing honor. Then verse 11 says this, do not be slothful, do not be lazy in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, like all these commands over and over and over. Be constant in prayer. Then it says this in verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. When we talk about groups, especially later on as we really get into here's how you sign up for groups, the the goal we have for all the group leaders is that we want to make sure that we seek to show hospitality. Because we know that could be a nerve-wracking experience. And so we want to go out of our way in life as we build up community to seek to show hospitality. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Verse 15, the picture of what groups should do. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Now I know some people might have had some bad experiences in the past in specific groups. But when we really start to build up community, when we really start to have this brotherly affection towards one another, and when we start to really feel like family, and when something good happens to family members that I love and care about, I rejoice, man, I, that, that was phenomenal what happened in your life. Like, I celebrate more than had it happened to myself. Like, that's how we want to have that sort of rejoicing. Man, if they're rejoicing and we're family, if we love each other, then we rejoice even more. And if they weep because of brokenness, because of despair, then it breaks our heart as well. Like to genuinely have that level of community that we're watching out for each other, that we're encouraging each other. Verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thoughts to what is honorable in the sight of all. And that ends, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So Paul's writing this picture, and there's more to it, but the section we just looked at says, here's what it looks like. Like, here's what community generally looks like, and if someone is struggling, then you're struggling with them, but you're going to help lift them up. And if someone is rejoicing, if someone's going through a great season, man, then it gives us a chance to celebrate with them. When we talk about community, when we talk specifically about groups, the idea is that groups help lift us up when we are down. A few years ago, as I made a transition from being the youth pastor at Ridgepoint Church to, to being the lead pastor, I moved from hanging out mostly with high school students to now hanging out with an, an adult group. And, and we started to formulate that group and meeting together with that group. And over the course of the next couple of years, uh, the, that group of people became literally uh, some of my best friends. And at the end of two years, we actually multiplied and, and we had a few groups start from that and we launched out on new groups. And, and each time we launch out on a new group, I have this conversation. I'll give you a little bit of a snapshot on what we talk about. 
But as you sit down, I know that right away, uh, people are like, wait a minute, I'm in a group with the pastor. That can be a little bit intimidating. And so I sit down and say, first of all, when we are in group together, I'm not the pastor, I'm JJ. Like, I need this as much as anybody else does. And so when I sit down, I'm not always going to have all the answers. I'm going to try. But I'm going I'm to talk about my struggles. I'm going to talk about my relationships. I'm going to talk about things that, where God's working on me. And, and, and so it's going to be a little bit different. But in group, I'm, I'm JJ. I'm just, I'm just one of the people that's here just like you. I'm always going to have all the answers. So I experienced the depth of group over the course of the past couple of months. Most of you know, uh, we lost my mom about a month ago. And, and really leaning on that group at that point, the people that we were doing community with was, was so important. And as we kind of navigated that, and I needed a lot of help with my, my dad and my brother and different things, and the church responded in such an overwhelming way. This past week, I was having lunch with a friend who's a youth pastor in, in the community, and and we're kind of talking. He's asking how we're doing with all this stuff and, and everything. And, and I said, really, we're, we're doing fairly well. And we started talking about why. And, and he made this comment. He said, man, the reason why you're able to survive those seasons of life is because of the people that are surrounding you in your life. Groups and our community lift us up when we're down, number one. Number two, if groups lift us up when we're down, the second thing they do is communities challenge us to grow. When we're making mistakes, man, groups are there to kind of kick us in the butt and say, you can't continue on that path. Groups challenge us to grow. The problem is, the reason why we need that in our life is because you and I, we have a tendency to drift. Now, drifting is is almost never a good thing. I don't tend to in my life, and you don't tend to in your life, drift towards things that are good. We tend to drift towards things that are are bad. If, if If I'm trying to eat healthy, if I'm trying to work out, I don't just generally drift towards eating healthier items. I don't generally drift towards uh, waking up at 5 a.m. To, to, to go work out. Like, I don't, I don't drift towards those things because those things aren't easy. And so I didn't, like, wake up one morning at 5 o'clock and say, oh, I didn't mean to, but I'm at the gym. <laughs> like, we don't just drift. You, you know sometimes you don't mean to overeat and you kind of drift towards overeating. Like, that happens pretty easily. But I don't, I don't drift towards, oh, I'm eating kale now. Like, that, that doesn't just happen. Those things are intentional. And when it comes to our relationships, we want to make sure we're intentional about building the right relationships. Because I drift towards things that are wrong. I drift towards things that I shouldn't do. And so if I've intentionally in my life created relationships uh, th- that are pivotal for my growth, then when I start to drift towards things in relationships, when I, towards, when I tend to drift towards things in finances, when I tend to, to drift towards things in, in, in being a father, whatever it is, we have people in our life that we've invited to say, wait a minute, JJ, you're drifting right now. You're getting away from where you need to be spiritually. I have people in my life, this youth pastor I mentioned, he'll ask me on a consistent basis, man, what, what are you studying in Scripture right now? Like, not for a church, what are you studying yourself for script, in Scripture? What are you praying about right now? Like, we need people in our life that we've invited into our life to say, man, I'm going to challenge you, ask you the tough questions. Because we don't drift into doing the right thing very often. We need people who we say, man, I want to be challenged. I want to be equipped. A couple of years ago, in fact, many years ago, when, when Beth and I were first married, uh, we had a couple of friends who we were really close with. Now, our church didn't really have groups and stuff like that. Our, our church at that point was, was a much older church. And so we had some other Christian friends we hung out with on a consistent basis. Now, this was before kids, before any of us had kids, and we had a lot more free schedule. And, and literally, there was a season of our life where a bunch of us got together on a routine basis for two of our friends 
Uh, it was almost a nightly thing. We lived right downstairs, an apartment from each other. We hung out with them on almost a nightly basis, and we had one of the best friendships you could possibly have. And I saw them, and they were doing things well, and they are doing things right, and, and everything was going great. And then, and then kids came, and eventually there was some, uh, some sickness in, in one of their family members. They kind of left the area, moved to, to another state, and we kind of still kept the relationship, but weren't doing life together anymore. And, and then a couple of years later, I got a shocking phone call from one of my friends, from that, from that friend. And he said, man, I just got blindsided. My wife wants a divorce. And like it came out of nowhere. He wasn't expecting it. And we went through this whole season. And, and it was really difficult on, on him and on them and on their kids and all the stuff that was taking place. And, and, and the people that I knew like five or seven years ago I never would have anticipated it. Recently, I had a chance to hang out with him and kind of get caught up. And, and he made a statement. We're hanging out just, just in the last year or so. And he said, you know, I don't think if, if, if we never moved out of the area, I don't think we would have gotten divorced. He said, but what happened was we had community here. We had, a, we had a strong sense of community. We hung out with people. And he said, we, we got up there and it was just family and kids and, and that's all it is. And all those things are important. But he said, Man, we lost the community and, and we started drifting towards things in our relationship that shouldn't have been there. And I just kind of let it go. And, and I, didn't even, I didn't think it was that bad. And, and before I know it, I got blindsided by this. And I don't think if, if, if we hadn't moved or if we'd figured out a way to establish community when we got there, the divorce wouldn't have happened. Man, community, we need people around us. You and I need to invite people in our life. And when we talk about groups, it might not be the whole group that you invite into this level of, of intimate conversation type stuff. But we need people in our life. Men, we need other men in our life. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Women, you need other women in your life to challenge you to say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't good, this isn't healthy, this isn't right. Community challenges us to grow. It challenges us when we're wrong. And the final thing is because community generally just makes you and I stronger. When it comes to our life, the people I'm doing life with, when we say we, we can't do life alone, it's because I realize that, man, when I'm doing life with people that I care about, people that I love, people, man, when I celebrate, when they celebrate, I'm celebrating with them. When they weep, I'm weeping with them. And when I am the same way that they're doing the very same thing as, 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 as I want to do for them, as soon as we get that level of relationship, it just generally makes you and I stronger when it comes to our growth. There's these verses over in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'm reading out a little, bit, a little bit different translation here. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says this. Watch this. I turned my head and saw yet another wisp of smoke on its way to nothingness. A solitary person completely alone. No children. No family. No friends. Yet working obsessively late into the night, compulsively greedy for more and more, never bothering to ask, why am I working like a dog, never having any fun, and who cares? More smoke? A bad business. So here's a person, we don't know the whole storyline, but they've, they've lost any family and friends. That's all that they have. I mean, they're Ebenezer Scrooge just working late in the night, and all they care about is, is the bottom line is that Dollar says he's working late into the night obsessively, compulsively, greedy for more and more, wanting all of this, never asking the question, what does all this matter? Like, I'm doing all of this, and I'm not enjoying any of it just to gain more. Then it says in verse 9, it's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, well, tough. 
Two in a bed warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. I love that. I mean, if I have a friend that has my back, then no matter what, no matter how bad the storm is that we face in life, if I have a friend that's got my back, we can face the worst. If we're married, if we have a spouse, we can say, hey, no matter how bad it gets, with that friend, I can face the absolute worst. Then he says this, can you round up a third? A a three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. This is here, listen, if we want to do life well, if we want to be successful in life, we want to make sure that there are people who we can count on, that, man, when things get tough, when things get hard, I know that they're going to be there. Now, for a lot of us, that, that can be a challenge. For some, it does happen organically. For some, we kind of get settled into an area, we, we get married, in, in a new spot in life, and we just start to build up that sense of community. For others, that can be a challenge. But it can happen organically, which we hope that happens on a consistent basis. But it also happens when we have what we call forced community. When we say, listen, one of the things we want to work on as a church is say, man, we want to see 100%, 100% participation in, in groups that happen where people meet together uh, to read the Bible together, to have dinner together, and just have talks about where we're at in life. People are saying, man, we're on the same general path. We want to be there to challenge and equip each other. And so today we're launching out on a new semester of groups. The groups actually start in a couple of weeks, but today's the first official day to sign up for groups. And I know for a lot of people, they're, they're hesitating a little bit. And Chris is going to share a little bit of information on how to do this in just a little bit. But as we get ready to sign up for groups, normally one of a couple of things takes place where people are like, I'm not ready for groups. Maybe some people just say, man, this spot in life, I can't do it right now. Life is really busy. Uh, and that's true for all of us. It just has to at some point become a priority in our life. But often there's two things that kind of stand in the way of people joining a group. Uh, two things people look at and say, well, I want to join a group, but, but this is the reason why I don't. Number one, is what, number one thing we often get feedback on is, well, I tried a group in the past, and I didn't really care for it, and so because of that, I'm not going to join a group again. And, and we understand. I think most of the time, I would venture to guess what I've seen is 90% of the time people join groups, they really like their groups. It isn't always the case. Like, we know that. In fact, Chris is going to share that beginning on uh, September 11th, it's going to be a six-week commitment. We say, come test drive it for a little bit to see if this is something that you like, if you fit in with this group. But here's the thing that I discovered. You might have heard this before, but if you tried a group and it, wasn't, it didn't work out for you, you didn't care for it a whole lot, you said, that's it, I'm done with groups. You might have heard this illustration before, but, but I've gone to restaurants in the past. And I went to the restaurant, I didn't particularly care for their food or the way they prepared it. And I didn't just go, I didn't like that restaurant, I didn't say, that's it. No more restaurants for me, because there are a lot of other good restaurants that I really, really enjoy. Uh, And so I said, I didn't like that restaurant. I won't go back to that particular restaurant, but I'm still going to enjoy restaurants. That might not have been the right group for you, but I think there probably is a group for you. And so I'd encourage you, if you're at that point, give it another shot. The second thing, and I think one of the most challenging things for us where we're at right now in the season as a church, is is also this idea, the second excuse we often face is that people often say, well, I I don't know anybody. Like, that'd be a little bit awkward for me to go into a group and not know anybody. I get that. Like, I know that happens. We have a lot of new faces, particularly in the first service this morning. We had a lot of new faces in the first service. And so when that happens, people come in and say, well, I don't know anybody. Uh, maybe I kind of, I'm not going to connect right now. Maybe I'll connect a little bit later. But let me tell you this. The best way to connect with people is to join a group and get to know them. Like, right now, we're sitting in rows. This is not unique to us, but we believe as a church 
that we connect better in circles than in rows. When we're sitting there looking each other eye to eye, face to face, having conversations, we get to know each other. You and I can hide when we're in chairs. We can hide in rows and say, no one can see us. We're kind of in an anonymous place called church. But when we sit there face to face, eyeball to eyeball, it's a little bit different. We have to get to know each other. And so I challenge you, if you're even on the fence right now, really to consider this. God's idea of community is that we're supposed to, he lives in community. He wants us to live in community. And we try to create an environment to make that take place at Ridgepoint Church. And it's called groups. Now, as you're getting ready to join group, Chris is going to share in just a second. If you want to join groups, here's how you're going to do that. Chris is going to share all that information in just a second. But before we do that, as a public service announcement to everybody here, we have a special video and this is, man, if you think it's kind of awkward going into groups and not sure how it's going to work out, we're going to give you some pointers on what not to do when joining a group.